The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter, and you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects that sound effect you just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up everybody? Out here in Brooklyn. The place where we dwell. Way down in Brooklyn. Uh, what's up? <laughs> Better late than never. Well, well, they don't know that unless they're uh, joining us live for the uh, for the for the recording. But yes, we are tape- taping a little bit late tonight because I was because I always left. But you know, sometimes things happen. So we're just yeah. gonna go uh, and get right into it and say that you can find this co- this here podcast, the Comic Book Chronicles, on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find this podcast on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, and uh, like, like I was just said, uh, you can find us recording live every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. normally, uh, on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Or and also uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So yeah, folks, uh, we're going to get into it with um, two things. First of all, um, Suicide Squad came out last week. Uh, the Suicide Squad, excuse me, came out last week on uh, in theaters and on HBO Max. Um, so we're going to talk about that real quick before we talk about, actually, you know what? Let's go the other way around. Cause I, I feel like this will be a shorter one anyway. Um, um, Marvel's what if started the night before this one, uh, before the, the night of, that we're recording on Wednesday. Um, and the first episode came out on Disney plus. So we're going to really briefly, uh, talk about that real quick. And actually, I know I saw a little bit of back channel um, um, in the last day or two about speaking of how speedy some of the the voice work seemed to be going, and I did kind of notice that. Right, right, right. Well, let me uh, just ring the spoiler bell very quickly for both Marvel's What If on Disney Plus and The Suicide Squad uh, 
over at HBO Max slash uh, movie theater. So. All right, you've been warned. There is the possibility of spoilers herein, but we're going to keep them on the very, very light side because, of course, these uh, particular uh, pieces of media are still very, very new. So we're not going to completely ruin it for you. Right, potentially but, uh, Right, well, ultimately, we're going to start with uh, what if the first episode, and it's not really a spoiler if we say that this is the formal introduction of uh, a version of Captain America where Cap, where, where, where Peggy Carter is the recipient of the super soldier serum because that's been in all the trailers. It's been in the commercials. So it's not a big spoiler at all. For me, I felt like it was executed pretty well, the, the overall episode. I, I felt that the animation, I, I, I definitely jived with the animation. I have heard some people not necessarily like the animation i don't know if they're just completely stuck on anime style animation and they just don't jive with american style animation this style of animation is in my opinion kind of in between definitely skewing more towards u.s style animation because of its kind of uh because of the body proportions and the way things are shaped you know the way uh, uh, a certain items are shaped and the way certain bodies are shaped there's a bit more of a stress towards uh superhero proportions for for lots of characters as opposed to maybe uh uh what some anime artists uh stress and you know and and by uh, association manga artists as well mm-hmm. so uh but in terms of the the voice acting as Roddy Cat mentioned I didn't necessarily notice that they were going quickly I think it was because I heard it as a parallel to the first Avenger, and I guess I didn't notice that it was going as quickly as it was, right. simply because a lot of it was dialogue I expected to hear and only was jarred out of what I was expecting to hear when the actual what if moments happened. Right. You know, and 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 what follows from them. So overall, without spoiling how the the, the episode really proceeds, I liked it. I've read and rewind our very own Tim Dog 98 due to his own connections, obviously over at CPR has been able to watch the first three episodes. And he says the same things that I have read in other places and heard in other places where the first of the first three episodes, this first episode is probably the weakest. So I am looking forward to the next two. Right. Well, yeah, and since we're not privy to that, I can't, you know, obviously we can't go on that. I mean, we can't, you know, really, really go with that because we haven't seen the other two like like they have. But I'm like, um, so, yes, I, I I feel like just like what you said with the, uh, with the parts that were, you know, coming from the first Avenger, I felt like those were, I felt like they kind of lifted those straight from the movie. Uh, and just kind of put put them in there, and then the what if parts just kind of was the 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 uh, new dialogue, which could have been the case. So, but um, and I think it was those the, the the parts of the the first Avenger more specifically that it felt like the the audio was kind of going a little bit fast. Just kind of I guess to, you know it was almost like no, I think I labeled the same space kind of. Yeah, to yeah. fit the space, fit the length. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also yeah, again, it kind of also felt like so. I know Captain Marvel 
kind of had this issue because it felt like, and I feel like we've said that when we talked about Captain Marvel, where especially like Brie Larson felt like she was kind of just running through her lines uh, type situation. Um, okay. And um, so it kind of felt like that for that first part, but then once it started getting to the, like, the, the what if parts, it, like, it felt like it was kind of on like on, um, like it was uh, at a normal pace for the audio to be going in certain places. Like there was a couple of times even then where it was like, yeah, they kind of feel like, you know, they, like there was a couple of lines that kind of went a little fast or something, but you know, uh, as far as the art is concerned, I, you know, I didn't have a problem with the art. I felt like it was, it's kind of a kind of animation slash CG, uh, thing that's going on. So that's, you know, uh, I, I didn't really have any, any problems with that. It looked, it looked good. It just like, you, know, you can kind of tell it was definitely, uh, CG, uh, some, some CG animation involved in that, and like we've seen in other places, uh, I'm pretty sure. Like, um, I can't, I can't think of anything. I want to say there's probably some Star Wars stuff that's uh, that's that's uh, had that employed and um, whatnot. But I was, I didn't really have a, a problem with that. Where like it, it was, it was good looking, and um, you know, things kind of flowed uh, the way it was. There wasn't anything super crazy about it. Uh, you know, the, the way things went off with the actual story. Was like okay, yeah, that that makes a that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, you at a certain point, you kind of expect a thing to happen, but of being the, the nature of what it was, it didn't. So I was like, okay, uh, um, so yeah, I, like I said, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. That's that's the, the most thing I could say about uh, I could say about that. You know, so if 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 this is the weaker of the three, according to to, to people in the press, and then I'd say we're we're in for a good time. Uh, Agreed. That's that's what I meant by that's what I meant when I when I mentioned that because this is a a decent start and if this is the weakest of the three that we're going to get over the next you know including this week over the next several weeks I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. So, but like I, said, I, I enjoyed it. I would like to see. I, I would hope. I kind of wanted to see. Well, I kind of hope we're going to get a, um, a, a Captain Carter figure out of this. Like I know I've seen a couple of people saying that, uh, but no, like I wouldn't mind that. Eventually. Yeah. Uh, even though I know there is a what if line coming out and she's not in that. Weirdly enough, they put Sylvie in that as opposed to, to but eh, you know, whatever, regardless. Um, so yeah, if, um, if you haven't had it's a to chance... get you to come back, it's to get you to come back. Yeah. Well, the reason why Sylvie's in there is because they mixed it in with, you know, Loki, right. you know, it's kind of like that, that it's, it's a wave that crosses over with the release of Loki so yeah and it's not the first time they've done like something that has little to do with what no it's a mix was. yeah it's a exactly exactly it's a mix of uh uh you know it's it's really an MCU line one and yeah. two it's it's a mix of what's been released and they didn't have Sylvie in the previous um MCU release so mm-hmm so that being said, unless we got something else to kind of go on with that, no, no, uh, no. Episodes, go on to the side squad. Yeah, episodes uh, come out every Wednesday, so we look forward to us at least briefly mentioning uh, what if going forward for the next few weeks. Uh, I can't remember how many episodes are going to be, but that's fine. I think it's only nine. Okay, so yeah, I think it's only nine, and they've pretty much confirmed there's going to be a second season. So uh, okay. And yeah, I was, and well, obviously, but not obviously, but um, 
it has been said that it's setting up a, a multiversal Avengers type situation um, that's going to that's actually, that is connected to the actual MCU uh, in a way. So there there is that to look forward to. In case you want another reason to to check that out, and I know I've seen like a, a spoiler video, not a spoiler video, but a, like a Easter egg video or a theory video about. Um, some some things that happen in there that could be setting up something for you know some stuff for uh, Doctor Strange or whatnot, uh, which I found kind of interesting. And actually, one that even kind of ties into a comic from this week. Now that I think about it, but we'll probably we might get to that when we get to that. Next up, though, we're going to talk about uh, DC's The Suicide Squad. Right. This is James Gunn's entry to entry into the DC extended universe. Um, Without getting into major spoilers, um, there is a lot of death. (laughs) And it's not a surprise because it is a Suicide Squad movie. If you are not familiar with the concept, get familiar with it very quickly. Mm. I enjoyed the very first death. I enjoyed it immensely. I was happy. I was giggling when it happened on screen. If we're talking about the same one, yes. It's the very first death. It's the first death. You know, not the it's not it's the first human death yes. because mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, uh, there is another type of death in the movie that precedes it. But the very first human death, the very first human character that dies, I, I, you know, it's a bad thing to to, to be happy, but it's a fictional character. It's fine. Yeah, but uh, I also hate the person that plays him. So so played him. So it was I was I was happy right, that happened. This particular right, this particular person has a very sympathetic real life backstory. But I'm no fan does of he? his act. So yeah, yeah, he does. It's actually pretty sad. Uh, so I still don't like him. Uh, um, but well, yeah. Roddy Cat <laughs> is you know, uh, uh, Roddy Cat is oh what is it? Oh, I had a term for Roddy Cat. Um, I'm sure you have a few. <laughs> yeah, just a few, uh, more than a few, more than a few. Um, but uh, in any in any event, um, once that passes, you uh, you essentially see the how the how uh, Amanda Waller again. Not a spoiler. This is the the Suicide Squad. Uh, how Amanda Waller uh, arranged for um, arranged for certain sets of characters to proceed so that another set of characters could uh, 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 follow up and uh, essentially uh, execute the mission at hand. Uh, What I had a problem with, and I am completely glossing over the entire plot because it is still so very new and we're not going to spoil it. Mm -hmm. I did ring the spoiler bell. What my biggest problem with, or what I had a big problem with was, and it's not a spoiler who the villain is, it's in the trailers, and it's in the advertisements. Mm-hmm. I had a problem with Starro, <laughs> and how Starro, a, 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 a gigantic, literally and figuratively, a gigantic villain and menace in the DC universe gets taken down by this group of characters and the disrespect that they give to one of the other characters that gets waxed in the in 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 in, in the group of uh the first group of suicide squad um the first assaulting group of so- suicide squad members mm-hmm. um who is severely underpowered and severely um uh 
embarrassing, to put it mildly. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, I just did not like how they treated Starro. I, I, I honestly thought, you know, Starro is, is, is it makes it makes me <laughs> want to go back, double check appearances that the character has made and see how the character was uh, portrayed, because I just thought it was weak. Hmm. You, you know, just to just to make it uh, more uh, plausible that this group of Suicide Squad characters would find a way to take it down. Right. You mean outside of so? You mean outside of the whole Jaro thing, and that's been done in the comics. Well, I don't mind Jaro. I mean, Jaro is kind of funny, but at the end of the day, it's played for laughs. Mm-hmm. I think just in terms of Starro and just how powerful and sometimes impervious to you know to attacks it is Mm -hmm. i don't understand why this particular group would have any sort of effect on it but for maybe one character Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't know but you know it's it's kind of one of those i'm not as familiar right i'm not as familiar with star that's that's really that's you know i maybe it's just a misconception i had or preconception that was wrong i mean about the yeah, like the one the the one Jarl thing that kind of comes to note, it, weirdly enough, comes from not even the comics, comes from Justice League the cartoon, where um where they did uh, for the man who has everything, right? Um uh, and wait, actually that's not even that's not even Jaro. so let me shut up about that because I just want that's uh that's something else. Never mind. But it, but but Jaro has a similar yeah kind of does a similar thing then that to to that. But regardless, um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't I don't really have that much of a thing to do with Jaro, and I do. Um, but I was like, well, I guess for what they were trying to play up, I felt like they were basically doing an extended version of Guardians of the Galaxy Two, which also is a game James Gunn thing, and you can definitely can notice it. Notice there's some similar tones, and uh, mm-hmm. and both of those movies for for obvious reasons, and definitely it's a different tone from the first Suicide Squad movie. Um, and, uh, I'm like, yeah, it's just kind of, it's more of this. I mean, it was, it was enjoyable and it was, it was, it was kind of fun, but it was like, yeah, I don't know. The, I, I kind of had also had a similar issue. So like, so this little group is able to take down Starro. Yeah. This big Kaiju Starro and, yeah. you know, like granted without, you know, not without any, um, issues or setbacks but i'm like okay right they find a way and you know what what bothered me is that ultimately other than one character these are like street level characters right and you know with street level powers i'm like what is going on here but uh but like i said that that is probably a a preconceived notion that was wrong that i had that Mm -hmm. that starro was you know uh super powerful you know to a certain extent the Star Wars definitely probably we can safely say that Star Wars probably more powerful than the group it was. What it was against. portrayed, yes. yeah. Then then how it was portrayed, yeah. So so that 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 could possibly be the case. Um, I think the other big element of this movie that I bumped on was the portrayal of Bloodsport hmm. and how similar it was to. A very similar character from the first Suicide Squad movie, With death, and death I did shot. not mm-hmm. re- exactly. I did not realize 
that that was so very different from uh, the Bloodsport in the comic books. I don't know why they deviated from it uh, and, and went towards um, what they did with Deadshot. I, I thought that was a misstep. I well, I think that it was purposeful, honestly. Well, because oh no, I mean we know it's purposeful, but you know we know that what, what they wanted to portray and how they wanted to portray the character. Right, but, but I, but, I feel but, like it was a mistake to go in that direction again. Yeah, because because yeah, and for folks that know, you know, Will, Will Smith played Deadshot in the first one, and they kind of play his character. Well, they kind of played Bloodsport kind of kind of similar to that, to which to to. To the point of where, if you didn't know any better, you would swear up and down that now nah, they wanted the Will Smith to come back, and this would be an extension of what they started with his character, you know, um, in the first one. I, I feel like that's kind of what they did, but they just put it to another character. And I know there's an article, and I believe I did put it in the um, in the clickbait session to where it was over, kind of. Um, uh, makes comments about you know uh, the the rumors that he was Will Smith's replacement. So I don't I, I don't uh, I hadn't read that article yet, but I put it in there anyway just for for anybody who wanted to read it. Um, but that being that being said, yeah, um, like I said, it, it was enjoyable. It, it was all right. Like Harley, you know, Harley with Harley, and, and I don't, you know, there was nothing wrong with the portrayal of her because, like, you know, it's more of her. They kind of, they slightly downplayed her a little bit. Uh, like, obviously, she gave they gave her some shine on this one, just like they did with the first one. Uh, but, um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like they didn't center fully on her. Well, they, I guess they kind of did. They didn't fill center hall as fully as they did in the first one. I guess that's a safe enough same thing to say. But they essentially give Harley a side mission, but mm. they do all end up coming together. Right. So uh, ultimately, it, you know, they they do give her a bit of a spotlight. Right. But they also bring her back into the fold. So I thought that was effective uh, because we all know that Harley Quinn is the center of the DCEU. At this point, yeah. Um, it also, but in in general, it also felt like uh, the movie was like, and and I'm saying this for for some. I'm going to mention that's in the news. That's starting off in the news section. I was kind of surprised um, at a thing that they allowed to happen. Well, that DC let happen, but I also feel like it was DC saying, "Oh God, we want this to be as popular as the Marvel movie. Please, please, we'll do anything." And and then and James Gunn was allowed to kind of. To do something. Not that I have a problem with it because I really didn't. So I know I mentioned in the fact that. So by the way, if you have kids, uh, there is some full full frontal male nudity in this, which is kind of surprising for a superhero movie or just many movies in in general nowadays. Um, and there's a lot of there's just definitely a lot of violence and gore, uh, in 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 this one. So like if you've got little kids and you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, then you know whatever i didn't have that big of a problem because uh with it but it was like i said the the death count is definitely way more than um <laughs> than the first movie kind of had in in respects um so i felt like there was like james Gunn was kind of giving a little more carte blanche because like all right well i can get get i can get away with what i want to in, in certain respects because of you know because of i guess track record at this point 
So, um, but yeah, like I said, it was the movie was good. It was a, it, would I watch it again? Maybe at some point. Um, but I think I'm good right now. So, and I guess for as long as it's going to be on um, HBO Max, uh, unless they plan on pulling it off at some time, like they they like they've done some stuff. You know, it'll be there for a minute. Uh, in enough time to where I would probably watch it again for some reason. Um, I don't think there's any particular point that I would uh, point out about the movie either outside of, like I said, yeah, if, if, you, if you've, I feel like if you've watched Guardians of the Galaxy, there are some beats in this that will show back up here because of the fact that James Gunn's uh, involved. So, I don't know. You got something else in passing before we go on? Nah, that's it. I'm good. Like I said, don't want to get too deep into it, and uh, because uh, I just want to avoid spoiling too much of it because it is worth watching. Yeah. Because it's it's fun with the caveats that Roddy Cat laid out earlier in the sense that there is a bit of nudity. It's a very small amount, and <laughs> uh, exactly, and the the gore is you know. Uh, it's something because it's a rated R movie. Mm-hmm. It's something that uh, James Gunn gets to indulge in. Yes. So, there you go, folks. Uh, and that's it. Like I said, um, we'll be back next week with. Uh, oh, and there are oh, and there are post credit scenes. Yes, yes, there is. But there are post credit scenes. But, it's not something that you expect from a DCEU movie, so it's important that we mention that. Uh, if you're listening to this, we haven't spoiled anything of, regarding those scenes, but you need to make it through the end of the movie and then, th- I believe, through the end of the credits. Yes, definitely. And But it is something that was ex- kind of expected if you pay attention to the news and know that there was a, a, a side project coming off of this uh, that is uh, related to this. Right, right but it also... but but. Uh, Ultimately, how they set that up is part of the movie as well. Right. You know, the uh, the underpinnings of the story as opposed to just the character that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, we can move on to uh, this week's comic book reviews. And I believe we said we were going to start off with Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 29. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 29, is written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Chris Allen, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is uh, the aftermath issue of uh, Miles' very own clone saga, and uh, we deal with the immediate fallout, uh, some of it uh, more practical than others, you know, more more based in the logistics of Miles's uh, Spidey uh, adventures, let's say. Uh, when I say that, we are literally dealing with the transition to spoiler alert. A new action figure. I mean, a new costume. <laughs> yeah, there, there is definitely that. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't know. I expected a little bit more out of this issue for some strange reason. Um, it definitely um, brought up something that's come up through this this arc, uh, and in kind of taking taking care of that. I taken care of a couple of things that, in uh, in addition to the new costume 
that Spidey ends up getting, uh, that, that Miles ends up getting at the end of this. And I do like the, the fact that I kind of wondered when they were going to bring this one character that was involved in that process. Um, so back. I was happy to see that. Yeah, bring that character back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was kind of happy to see see that. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes total sense. There we go. Because we hadn't seen this character since uh, probably whatever issue or annual or whatever, whatever, whatever. I think it was an issue or something. Uh, that, that, that the story... Yeah, I was, I was going to say the story makes sense in 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 that the previous set of issues obviously had to deal with the clones and the uh, the various uh, 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 battles and aftermath of that, and this is the uh, the cleanup process, almost literally, yeah. of Miles' life and his reconnection with Ganke and his family and his friends, his classmates, and his apparent rival at school, his own version of flash thompson at school yeah. and, and uh we have uh as roddy cat mentioned uh the return of a character who's instrumental in uh providing miles with uh a new set of uh a new uniform a new set of uh duds and as i jokingly said not jokingly said you know pretty much uh the opportunity for a new uh action figure so we'll see how long this particular costume lasts uh it's not as um it's not as loose fitting as the promo picture that's uh for that's on the cover i guess of the next issue leads you to believe or at least from the 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 splash page that we get in the on the cliffhanger page at the on the as uh the closing page of the issue right so uh we'll see how this develops and how it looks uh next issue in action i still don't i don't know how i feel about the costume one because i feel well one it it feels like more of an into the spider-verse type um costume to Uh, me it it feels too much like kane and mm. And I don't necessarily like that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, f- I still think that his um, his original design was so good that they, they, they could have tweaked it and come away with uh, a winning design. But I think this is a little bit too close to uh, Kane, to my liking. But then again... We saw how quickly they reverted that blue, gold, and, and, and gray costume that Spidey was rocking when he was doing social media stuff in, over Nick Spencer's run. So, you know, that didn't last for too long. We'll see how long this lasts. Right. Actually, and I, I feel like I wish they had gone a little further into the, um, into the Spider-Verse uh, realm with it. But also, and I guess my, my one big problem before we move on with it also stems from the fact that like I get it, Miles is a kid. He's got Tim's on or whatever or whatever in the world um, similar issue to that. But also, I, just like I said with Spider Verse, how is he wall crawling with with with, with Tim's on? I mean, obviously well, we're just seeing sneakers, this, we're not seeing you know exactly. Not, but it's the same. It's the same issue. Is that they're sneakers, but it's not. Uh, it, 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 Roddy Cat's point is still valid. You know, they're not Tim. Trust me. I, I know, I know they're not, but I'm just saying. But just, like I said, whatever. That's why I said. I'm like, those ain't Tim's. That's why I said. That's why I said whatever in world in world uh, facsimile that that yeah, you know would, that would go for them. Yeah, they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be. You know, they're they're supposed to be Jordans sure, in. Yeah, yeah. 
the uh, you know like the Jordan ones, and um, you know I'm no sneakerhead, but those are the Jordan ones, mm-hmm. and um, you know you know the way they're portrayed in uh, Spider Verse, and mm-hmm. the movie. Right. So, but uh, you know these are supposed to be uh, you know red high top basketball sneakers. Um, you know we were we'll like I said earlier we'll see where how this is portrayed in the next issue. You know, right. beginning of September. So, it's not very far away. We'll see how it's portrayed. Right. I mean, they're gonna. They, they're just not even gonna bother to. to I, I have a strange feeling they're not even gonna bother to address it because I, I feel like they've done that thing. Things like that with with Peter um, at, at certain times. Like how, like how is he wall crawling with 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 shoes on? Well, you know what's funny for the very long for the longest time. They always portrayed him as taking his shoes off, and he was wall crawling with his socks on. Right. So I think they'll come up with some reason for Miles to be able to, you know, whatever these things are made of. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Right. Well, we, we do know. know. We how we, different. Well, we kind of well, no, know. No. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, in terms of how thick they are, you know, we do know that the uniform is made out of something. We don't know if that's the same thing as these sneakers. That's true. Yeah. That's really where that's really where the differentiation comes in. Right. So, so like but, I said, that's you know, kind of, that's kind of a nitpick, but it's one that's been bothering me since Spider Verse. So, um, of course, I understand. I, I look, I understand having come up watching Peter wall crawl, holding his shoes going up the wall right. while he's crawling in his socks, and you know that that was always. Uh, uh, that that was always a way to um, remind us that yes, he can wall crawl while wearing basically a body sock, mm-hmm. you know, while a unitard, right. and uh, uh, he can he can wall crawl in his socks without having to go all the way to bare feet. So I feel like they 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 um they explained that away in one of the Spider-Man movies better than 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 they have in in the comics, but it's, it's also comics. So. No, what I was going to say is, yeah, because remember, they changed the origin. In the right. Movies. But uh, but any event, we can move on to... Uh, What's next? Thank you, President Bartlett. Um, let's keep things moving tonight. Uh, let's see what you read. Um, how about uh, America Chavez made in the USA number five? Sure. All right, let me get the creative team, and I will let you take over. It's written by Kalinda Vasquez, with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Um, I feel like there's a joke that's going to come when we talk about another. Uh, I don't know if you read or not, but that's fine. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say Jesus Marimba. Um, yeah, so so this is the last issue of uh, this uh, miniseries. The only thing I really have to say about it is one has got wrapped up kind of kind of nicely and neatly, but left uh, America kind of half as powerful as she was previously. And I'm not sure how to feel about that. And I'm not sure why they did that outside of the fact that we know she's got a show coming up. But even then, that doesn't make that much of a sense, much, much sense of it. Now, maybe they're going to do something about that uh, at some other point, because it did say at the end, like to be con- or continued with a question mark so i right. assume this is going to be addressed in in some other book or maybe they're going to she's going to have another miniseries at some point who knows uh before her uh disney plus show happens um, let's just say that this issue leaves the entire series with a dangling plot thread 
There's uh, literally a dangling plot thread left open in this issue right. that we're probably going to see picked up in another miniseries, right. pro- you know, most likely, yeah. uh, featuring America Chavez. So yeah. that was one thing I, I sort of bumped on, but obviously knowing that she has a, a starring turn in uh, an MCU movie, that's, you know, this is going to be fodder for that, uh, for a story developing in, developing in that direction in the yeah. comics developing in the mcu direction in the comics um so i i definitely agree with your assessment of this issue right so that's actually honestly that's pretty much <laughs> that's cool that's yeah cool. that's pretty much that for that right and that and 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 that actually um that actually is the sum of the books that we read in common so um how about i spin up the uh, minigun and we go into rapid fire Shoot. I ain't got time to breathe. Uh, go for it. Sure, I will go first. First up is Avengers Tech On. It's written by Jim Zub with art by Jeffrey, uh, a.k.a. Chamba Cruz, with letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is the <laughs> actual action figure... Um, tie-in book that uh, Bandai and um, Marvel are, have worked on, and um, the setup is fairly straightforward. Uh, the story is okay, and what I didn't really jive with was the art. You know, it's very CG, very anime, and influenced, obviously. Yeah, and that's intentional. For obvious reasons. Exactly, for obvious reasons. And it just didn't I didn't really, really like the first issue's art. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll like the art when the uh, mech-style suits feature more prominently, which is more than likely going to be the next several issues of this miniseries. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, going to be, uh, I guess, where I figure out whether or not I actually like where this series, um, what the series is presenting. So I know I didn't get a I didn't get a chance to to read this yet, um, and yeah, this is the definitely the other toy line that coming. This is the toy line we knew that was coming out as opposed to Mech Strike and and what ended up happening later on. Um, right, more and I'm, directly. I was about to say more directly tied in. Yeah. Right, and I was gonna ask. Uh, I'm going to assume by what you're saying is it's not as fun as what how Mech Strike presented itself uh, when we when we started reading it. Uh, no, 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 not as fun. Not no. as fun. There is, there are elements of fun, but it's not nearly as fun gotcha. as, as, as Strike was. Okay. So, um, next up is Children of the Atom number six, written by Vita Ayala with, uh, pencils by Paco Medina, inks by Paco Medina and Walden Wong, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is the conclusion of the Children of the Atom story arc. We find ourselves, uh, we find our characters grappling with both um, mutant-related issues. We have um, a brief tie-in with the Hellfire Gala in this issue. It's kind of an addendum to the Hellfire Gala stories. Um, and it basically settles a lot of the internal strife that was uh, that occurred uh, at the 
that had been developing and that occurred at the end of the fifth issue. So we reach the end of Children of the Atom with six issues. We'll see if it returns. Next up is Runaways number 38, written by Rainbow Rowell, with art by Andre Genolet, colors by D. Cuniff, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. So believe it or not, this is actually a surprise click of the week for me because... Um, while it's, we have a, a story later on in the news that um, Marvel confirmed that this is the last issue of Runaways for now, and it's confirmed within the, the pages of the book. Um, you know, the creators have a chance to bid farewell to the Runaways here on the basically the anniversary of their 100th issue, in to, in some in total of Runaways, and uh, the characters are left with dangling plot lines which are sure to be followed up but it's uncertain as to when these storylines will be picked up so it's not the end for runaways but uh as of now it is temporarily um i won't get into any real spoilers but um a a, a few changes of directions for characters are teased Next up is X-Force number 22, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Robert Gill, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VC's Joe Catamania, our favorite Paisan. Um, this issue is uh, an, uh, the latest development in the, uh, the Floronic um, battles that uh, the, the X-Force team, on behalf of Krakoa, has had with um, other nations and groups that have chosen to develop their own uh, floronic, you know, dealing with uh, plant life, their, t- their own technology, their own sentient technology when it comes to plant life. This ties into some of the Weapon Plus stuff that is based on the experiments of uh, Ted Salas, the erstwhile Man-Thing, and uh, the characters that have... Uh, quite literally sprouted from those roots. Oh, no. I really did make that pun. So, ultimately, uh, this issue... um, This issue uh, follows up on that story and, if I'm not mistaken, uh, sets up uh, future adventures with... um, Oh, what's this character called? Is it Manslaughter? something like that or yeah no i mean this particular story arc um that that uh uh that involves this particular uh group this uh particular uh aspect of the floronic um groups of enemies uh ends here i'm trying to see if it oh yeah, it is manslaughter it's just man dash slaughter as opposed to the actual term manslaughter which is you know murder without intent um you know anyway next up is bitter root number 15 with uh it's uh, it's written by well the, the credits aren't clear but we know who's doing what it's written by david f walker and chuck brown with art by sanford green colors are by sophie dodgson and letters are by hassan oisman uh elhau El Um I won't spoil anything 
of real import because I know Rodicat is going to be reading this. All I'll say is this is the uh, ending of this latest story arc in Bitterroot. It is not going away. We all know that uh, Bitterroot is soon to be adapted into uh, onto the screen, onto the big screen. And uh, this is just the latest pause in the run of Bitterroot. So uh, enjoy this uh I think it was 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So it was a five-issue arc. Uh, the five covers actually are an homage to the official handbook of the Marvel Universe covers. So uh, go out there and pick these up and support uh, former guest of the show, Sanford Green, uh, and and uh, enjoy this book. It is uh, pretty fun. Uh, last but not least is Daredevil number 33. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cacchetto, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So this issue threw me a little bit because it doesn't exactly follow the events of the previous issue exa- uh, precisely. We don't get the clearest cause and effect here, and it just threw me a little bit with regards to how to, with regards to how we find or the state that we find Matt Murdock, Daredevil, in at the end of this issue. It doesn't quite follow from where we found him at the beginning or at the end of the last issue, so it threw me a bit. But we definitely get some follow up with uh, Electra Daredevil. You know, that's not a spoiler. Uh, that this has been an ongoing story that Elektra has essentially co-opted the Daredevil mantle to try to uh, do things Matt's way for a little while. So the bulk of this issue revolves around Elektra and her ongoing battle with, and this is a bit of a spoiler, bullseyes. Plural. How we get there is something that's revealed at the end of last issue, but is more extensively explored in this issue. And that is it for me. Take it away, Rodicat. Alrighty. Um, and I just I also realized I forgot to put up the, the devil cover for you, but that's fine. Um, by the way, shout out to the, um, the folks watching uh, live, and I will get to the one question that, uh, that showed up in and uh, YouTube chat in a minute. Um, so, f- uh, for my books, let's see, we start off with Batman 89, number one uh, from DC Comics. A number, another summer. Sounds of the funky drummer. Exactly. So, as the title uh, suggests, it uh, this is uh, basically... A, it, this is in the world of the Batman, uh, Tim Burton, at, uh, Batman 89 uh, film. Uh, takes place, I guess, I'm assuming it takes place after the events of the movie, uh, seemingly, from, from what it's setting up. How, which is, as I said in my notes, so it basically said, oh wait, actually, hold on, because uh, I forgot something. So it's written by Sam Hamm, art by Joe Quinones, Quinones. Uh, uh, colors by Leonardo Ido and letters by Clayton Cowell. Um, so everything else says just says so. So it takes place kind of around Halloween. Matter of fact, it takes place on Halloween as opposed to the movie taking place around or around Christmas time. 
Now, presumably, it could be the next year after that. We don't necessarily know, but I feel like if if the movie, in my recollection, did kind of, it was definitely a winterish time. Uh, or maybe I'm thinking of the second movie that could also be possible. Um, and it's probably, you know, actually, that's probably more probable. Regardless, this, this is taking place on Halloween. Um, there's, of course, a Prince reference in here. Um, uh, right, early on, so they pretty much checkmarked that. But uh, it, as I say in my notes, the, the, the feel of the movie is there. Um, I would almost say almost down to the death count, but we don't really see it. But the, the inadvertent deaths that happened in the movie, or at least potentially uh, in, the, in the movie, kind of still at play here. The characters, the art, they get it definitely close to the couple of characters, well, to a couple of characters, specifically uh, Michael Keaton's uh, Bruce Wayne, and uh, um, um, uh, Billy D. Williams' Harvey Dent. Like, those characters look close. The However, there's a couple of characters, at least a couple of characters that, one, did not show up in the movie that they have introduced here, just kind of as of already. So basically, take took the world of uh, the, the movie and kind of injected the, the comic version of some characters in here, to, in a sense. Um... And like I said, there's even one character that kind of had a parallel in the movie, but was definitely not introduced. That and I know some of us younger go younger on thought this was that character, but it was not. Um, but this character does indeed kind of pop up here from originally. The 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 art for Gordon, however, it doesn't seem like the one. To, to, doesn't seem like um um I can't remember who played him in the movie. But it, it feels more of a um, Batman animated series version of Gordon. And as a matter of fact, this other character um, that I was just mentioning also come from there. So that's kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> but as I, as I said, this, like, it feels like this is kind of, I guess, this is kind of a logical step to kind of set up some things, set up a, um, a, a couple of things in the world of the movie going past that first movie. Or potentially could, I, I don't know. There's definitely a relationship that wasn't there that that um that is that is popped up here that I don't even think there's in, even in the comics. So that's kind of interesting. But regardless, like I said, if hey, it's for something that has the kind of sort of the feel of the world for the first issue, it is not bad. Um, like we'll see how this goes though. Uh, next book is. Hardware season one, uh, number one, also by DC. Uh, this is uh, on one of the hardware, excuse me, one of the milestone returns books. Uh, it is written by Brandon Thomas, uh, pencils by Dennis Cowan, uh, inks uh, by Bill Sinkovich, colors by Chris Sotomayor, and letters by Rob Lee. So, I this is probably the milestone character one, well. This is one of the milestone characters that I'm definitely not as familiar with. Like Static is probably the, the main one I know, and Rocket and, and Icon. Those are the ones that, that I mainly know of. Hardware, I don't know too much about. So there is a little bit of backstory that kind of is given here, um, in a sense, I guess, but I absolutely wouldn't know. Uh, okay, it's according to it was Halloween, I think. 
Okay, so uh, shout out to one season came in in the chat who's saying he thinks that uh, the Batman eighty nine was around uh, was around. I, don't know. I know it was definitely in the fall, but, sure, but I couldn't remember if it was Christmas. Oh, I'm thinking of the, I'm kind of thinking of the second movie, which is not, wouldn't be a surprise. Um, but as far as hardware season one is concerned, um, in my notes I have: What if Iron Man were black and working for Stain and framed for causing an event that gave folks powers? Um, and, uh, this kind of issue makes, kind of goes through, um, that it kind of almost, kind of sort of hits the ground running once you get past a little bit of, um, the characters, the main character's backstory or, or more to the point, it's not even a backstory. It's more like some back history with, you know, some early on back history. It wasn't even about how this character came about in, in the way that, that it's being portrayed now. It, but um, and I guess we're going to get into a little bit more of that as uh, stuff to concern. And if you don't know about the milestone character, th- so the milestone stuff is from it was basically a separate universe. That's where Static uh, came from, and they had a whole Dakotaverse thing going on. And now that they're with DC, I guess they're kind of uh, in a way integrating it, but in a way kind of uh, keeping them separate. Like I guess the Dakotaverse is kind of part of DC the DC universe now, but they're still kind of separate in a way. Um, I know, like I talked about with, uh, the last static, the uh, static, uh, issue, um, there's references to other milestone characters, but not necessarily any DC characters in here. And in this case, this, uh, um, um, <clears throat> there's an event that is brought up that has to do with, uh, static and other characters, I guess. Static mainly, um, that apparently this uh, this character is being blamed for, um, which is I guess the catalyst of um, why this uh, character is in the state that he that he's in. So that being said, yeah, I don't know. I, I have to read a little bit more of this uh, or do some back uh, back research on uh, this character and and uh, the book, the book that it sh- he shows up in. Uh, next up is Future State Gotham number four, <clears throat> which is I've weirdly read a lot of DC books more than I than I normally would, so this is kind of funny. Um, but uh, Future State, Oops. Future State Gotham number four is basically let's see, um, written by Dennis Culver, art by Nicholas Cismesija. I apologize if I screwed up your name. Uh, letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. I was about to say I don't even know how to help you with that one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's 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 got a couple of accents and swooshes and whatnot on it. So I'm like, I'm, I'm so sorry to that person. Um, basically, Harley versus Punchline versus Hunter Panic is the gist of this uh is, is this issue. There's also a reference to a Joker, not necessarily the Joker we know. Uh, this is also taking place before uh the events. Or is it, it might be during. Well, this is definitely before Future State, I want to say, but kind of in the beginning of it, I guess. I'm not entirely sure there, yeah. but pretty much everything was just said. I don't know where this Hunter Panic came from. I assume that's a, that's a newer uh, Bat Batman character. Uh, so go figure. But it was it was kind of a fun read. Uh, with that for whatever, even without remember because I don't even remember the last issue and I don't remember so I'm not but I do know what, what was going on during the events of Future State um, with the Gotham stuff um, which kind of touches on a little bit 
Uh, next book is I Am Batman Zero. Uh, it is written by John Ridley, pencils by Travel Foreman, uh, inks by Norm Rapman, colors by Rex Locus, uh, letters by ALW's Dave Lamper, Lamp here heard. Um, so this is pretty much taking place after the events of uh, Batman Second Son, written by pretty much the same creative team. Or, or, or done by the pretty much the same creative team. Um, this is actually not necessarily directly after, but shortly after the events of uh, like I said, the end of the last issue of Second Son, which which was basically Jace finding the uh, a version of the bat suit that he's going to eventually end up with uh, in the basement of Foxtech. Um, so in this one, he's pretty much like getting his own place and still on his mission uh, and trying to hack uh, on his mission to take down um, Arkadine, who um, I can't remember his first, his first name, but regardless, still doing that and trying to get the, um, trying to get the inner workings of the suit of this particular version of this suit worked out. Again, this is before uh, the events of Future State, which we see him in a slightly different suit, but we see him getting to the point where he's getting the other suit. This is more of a like a um, an Iron Bat suit, or you know, uh, um, I don't want to say a War Machine suit, but but it's basically an Iron Bat suit or a Bat armored suit, that kind of more than than um, the one we see him in, which is more like Batman Beyond uh, in style, but. That's pretty much that. Uh, let's see. We also do get a flashback of him getting trained by Katana real quick, and the first time he uh, uses, he changes his name to uh, from Tim to to Jace. So kind of get that up front, and then we also get a little bit on Montoya, which again, this is um, before Future State. We get uh, a little uh, a little bit on Montoya dealing with running the GCPD as uh, the, the commissioner and uh, the issues she's kind of having or and that. And uh, a name from uh, Jace's past kind of comes up in, in the course of this as, a, um, as an influence, let's just say. Or the person comes up as an influence to him. So I don't know if they're going to explore that, a little bit of that in the next how many other issues that's going to be. But there is definitely going to be another issue because it says to be continued in I Am Iron Man number one. So, I mean, I am, excuse me, I am Batman no more. That was totally a slip of the tongue. Um, and my last book is, uh, as I pull this up, Defenders number one, which actually I'm slightly surprised that 1870 didn't, uh, didn't read. Um, but I will not spoil it for him. Uh, and uh, I did not get the creative team of this book, so allow me to do that real quick. My apologies for all the clicking also. So this is the creative team of Al Ewing as the writer. Um, uh, and Javier Rodriguez as the, the artist. Uh, Alvaro Lopez with Javier Rodriguez doing the inks. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, and I guess uh, VCs Corey Pettit with Jay Bowen doing this, some design work. Um, so the, the short story is Dr. Strange is, um, putting up a team. Well, so I guess this takes up from 
Marvel Comics 1000 in a way because that Max Ra- Max that masked Raider person comes back into play and that stuff gets touched on. He and he runs into or he goes to Doctor Strange and of course because they are familiar with each other, a fight happens, but what ends up happening, I guess they come to an understanding, but uh, they end up basically making uh, coming up with the team of defenders that has seen on the cover. Uh, and that's pretty much what the rest of this book um, uh, ends up doing. There is, as I said earlier, there is, um, there is actually a weird tie to um, uh, current goings-on in Iron Man, which is funny enough, because there was a character that is referenced in this book um, that is prominent there. Uh, there is also ties to uh, MCU theories that may or may not have something to do with What If and Doctor Strange number two. Um, that some people are saying about the, specifically coming out of uh, this week's uh, uh, What If uh, um, episode. That there is an issue about uh, a character that is uh, that is prominent that potentially is com- prominent there that has ties to something else that this is tied to. If it wasn't for the fact that I happened to see a theory video about that, that I wouldn't have known this, but nevertheless, there it is. Um, and there's also seemingly kind of in a way, which I guess, well, I don't, I don't remember if that was, um, if that was Al Ewing or not, I don't remember, but there was a tarot series for a mini series from, I think last year, that was a mini series that didn't seem to do anything but just be a standalone miniseries that was kind of set in the past. Doctor Strange did actually show up in that. There is some tarot usage in it. I don't know if it's directly tied to that or not. I don't remember, but um, it may or may not be tied to that also. And that, folks, is... uh, That is it for my books. And now we can go to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we didn't get anything for from our. Well, actually, we didn't even ask because so, we kind of started a little actually, bit late. I was about to say we we got some feedback from our very own PCN underscore Dirt. He didn't necessarily say that it was uh, a click of the week. But uh, he did mention that he read Fight Girls 1 and 2. Fight Girls number 2 is out oh, this week. Of course. And, and uh, you know, it's it's fun stuff. He didn't necessarily make it his click of the week, though. So. Right. Uh, I can tell you that I am in between a little bit this week when it comes to choosing a click of the week. I enjoyed several books, but none of them were of the stand out right type of book this week yeah um i definitely uh appreciated what i was reading in runaways i liked that children of the atom wrapped up this six issue what turned into a six issue miniseries i thought pretty well and left uh the characters open for more development later on uh and, you know, I, I really wanted to like Daredevil number 33 because I, I liked how I liked the pacing of the story. But 
I think how what we the, the 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 state that we find Matt Murdock in at the end of the issue was a little jarring to me. So I can't really take that one and put that on my list. So I think I'm actually going to give uh, the entire creative team over on Runaways a shout out because they made it to 100 total issues. So um, and and I'll be honest, I didn't read this when it came out. You know when it first launched. You know, with Adrian Alfona and, and Brian K. Vaughn, I read it as um, as back issues, right? And I got familiar with the basics of the story because of the TV show. And you know, sadly, the TV show was short, relatively short lived. I think we made it for two seasons, mm-hmm. but uh, the characters were portrayed so well. I really enjoyed the portrayals of the characters on the television show, and. Uh, you know, there, there's obviously many things in the comics that that were not translated onto the the small screen, but the the essence of the primary characters of the Runaways really comes through in the TV show, and that got me. You know, it turned out to be the reverse in a sense. That got me hooked into following their stories in the comics. So I'm going to give my click of the week this week to Runaways number 38. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, Runaways to me has kind of been like, yeah, I should try, try that book out. But also it felt like it was more geared to uh, a younger set. I don't know. Oh, maybe. most certainly. Most uh, certainly. It is. It's, it's, I'm, mm-hmm. I am the target demographic. Right. <laughs> but that's not saying you can't enjoy it. Regardless, right. of, so There's been a couple of books that I've brought up or that we've both brought up that's like not geared to us, but we've ended up enjoying it because, you know, it's just enjoyable. Because not just, right. right. Just because the story is good and the art is complimentary. And I would say that, uh, you know, you know, I can't stress it enough. I think that the television show did these characters a good service, not a disservice, but a good service, and brought me into, uh, you know, brought me in with a better understanding of these characters. So, and made, and like I said, made me go back and read the initial run with Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona. So, right. and that was started it all. Right, and that was that was the point I was going, to, I was getting to, is that yeah, the they've always been. Interestingly enough, to me, even though they weren't kind of my new, and I have had read them some. Well, some of those characters have come up and stuff that I have read, and also that has made me kind of want to go back and be like, I should read Runaways. And I think I feel like I feel like as you've been going through this series uh, or this volume, I feel like I've, I've been saying that also from basically what's been uh, what's been coming up. So I'm definitely going to uh, make a make a stab at it at some point yeah, and go back to the original run and kind of come back come up through to this to, to check them out uh, I think for myself I'm probably you know like you there weren't really that much of a standout like there was a couple of things like the, the, the Iron Batman was, was kind of cool um, but it wasn't really much to it the Batman 89 um, yeah I don't know it for for what they're setting up it could be something but at the same time it's like well it's you know it's, it's making a leap from the movie to basically, you know, the, the the comic book, which is not a bad thing. I'm just saying it's like, okay, I don't know if, if, if they're going, if they're doing this to kind of get to, and I don't even know, cause they're setting it in the world. And I don't know they're, if they're trying to get to the next, the next movie, then, then they're not doing that for certain. Um, but it, it's, I guess it's kind of fleshing out the world or, or basically making it more, Rounds it quote unquote into the DC lore, but I'm 
probably going to go with uh, that being said, Future State Gotham number four because it was kind of fun. Uh, like I said, oh. it, was, it was basically uh, just a big chase uh, slash fight between uh, Harley Quinn and, and Punchline and this other character, Hunter, Hunter Panic, which was seemingly kind of fun. You know, um, so there is that. And with that, we can go on to uh, the cinematic news. But first, we got an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And actually, before we get into the news, uh, let me just real quick, let's uh, real quick address this. Because um, I said I did say I was going to get to it. There was a um, uh, a question in the chat from earlier from when we were talking about Miles Morales, coming from uh, Well Season Gamer. Shout out to Well Season Gamer, Gamer um, dude comes through uh, to my my personal streams sometimes, and uh, appreciate you having you here. Um, and the question was. Um, with Miles Morales Spider-Man starting to become popular, well, he's been popular for a minute, but um, at this point, anyway, uh, starting to become popular, when do you guys think he'll make the jump to the MCU? So, we do know that he's been alluded to in uh, the last... In Homecoming. Yes, exactly, in Spider-Man Homecoming. So, we feel like it's probably going to come at some point sooner rather than later. We don't know. It could very well come in, in, at the very least, an introduction could possibly come in the next Spider-Man movie. Because that would be the logical place for him to to, uh, to come through. Um, so, outside of that, I, I that's the only thing I can say. Like I, I, I feel relatively decent about there. he's going to get at least introduced in the next one whether they do anything going, going to get into it could be if you've played the spider-man uh ps4 game it, it might be something like that like he might show up and be like hey he's you know and maybe his dad or somebody else could, could show up and um they'll at the very least introduce him and he just won't get his in uh powers at this point yeah i was like that we don't know but i would i would love to see a, a live action version of um of spider uh, of miles morales and obviously we already got into the spider-verse which is already a thing so he's he which is not an mcu movie but at least he's been introduced to in movie form uh some kind of way may i, I? You, go for it so i think he's going to come but it's going to be a while I think it's going to be one of the later films that are going to be introduced um, over the next several years because they're they're still formulating this multiverse plan. Mm -hmm. I think that's where Miles fits in 
Um, I know that they alluded to Miles being actually in the MCU, but they may adjust their plans because of the multiverse. That is just a theory that popped into my mind as the multiverse stuff started to take place, like literally in front of our eyes over the last year. So, uh, you know, over the pandemic. You know, right. given what happened uh, in the course of Loki and now knowing what's going to be the plot points of uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So um, it's still it's still going to be a little while. Uh, unfortunately, you can probably uh, do your homework when it comes to uh, Tom Holland's contract status and see how many more films he may be under contract for. And they that may determine when miles is introduced uh mm-hmm. and uh i know i've said this i think roddy cat has concurred if they do tom holland spidey the way they do ultimate spider-man i'm going to be a sobbing mess in the theater <laughs> it's ugly i don't mind admitting that that's going to be awful 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 uh, if they decide to do it um uh, marvel universe uh, style post secret wars in the comics. Mm-hmm. If they do it that way and they gently ease Tom Holland out so that they can feature um, the the uh, the Miles Morales character, that would be fine and leave us uh, a little bit more emotionally sound. Right, and I feel like because of the events of uh, Infinity War uh, um, Endgame, I I don't know if they would do that. They would again, just... right? Again, I mean. Exactly. That's, exactly. So I, I feel like no, it was like they've they've kind of got that emotional resonance out of them during that point. So if they do that again, that'd be I don't know. I'm like, yeah, we've already we've already seen it. I mean, granted, it would be a little bit more, I guess, quote unquote, permanent. But um, so wait, what was that? I don't feel so good. Oh, <laughs> but uh, and I'm not saying they couldn't do it, but I was like, yeah, we kind of we kind of been there before. Don't do it. Don't do this to us again. <laughs> don't do that to us again. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of agreeing. If they did do it, it'll probably be more like a post Secret Wars type situation, or at the very least, like that is it's either going to be like I said, introduced in uh, this next movie. And maybe in the Doctor Strange movie, um, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, no, here's the here's the Spider-Man versus other 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 um, other multiverse, a, a la Secret War style." And it's just, and then at the end of that, it's just like, "Oh no, he just happens to be here." <laughs> I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see. That being said, though, let us go into the news, like we said, and we start out as we do uh, every week with the cinematic news. Um, and we're going to touch back on something we talked about earlier with uh, the Suicide Squad, uh, in that uh, the Suicide Squad includes full frontal male nudity uh, from one part. Uh, and no, not King Shark, in, um, you, despite what this uh, image, in, if you're watching the video, and you should sometimes. Um, so according to Well Seasoned Gamer, he has a six-picture deal with the MCU, talking about uh, Tom Holland. So, yeah, that could very well infer... Um, when and or if Miles um, happens to show up or not, but um, but yeah, like we said earlier, um, um, yeah, there's a there's some there's some male schlong that shows up for for a second in Suicide Squad, which is again, like I said, is kind of impressive and surprising for a superhero movie or uh, any movie nowadays, honestly, or, or a lot of movies. But it's already a movie, like we said earlier, so it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. Don't. If you're, if you're one of those persons who would trip out on something like that, 
but adjust yourself, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> next up. Uh, next up, uh, this is just spoilers for the Suicide Squad movie. We find out what Taika Waititi's role is. Although I feel like we showed up, I feel like there was like a glimpse of him showed up in, in a trailer, but I could be wrong. But yeah, if you don't want to be spoiled about that, and we're not going to say it here, but yeah, Taika Waititi, I guess that's in itself is kind of a spoiler that he shows up in the movie. Um, in, in, in a bit part. But then you can say about the, you can say that about a few other people. Next up, though, uh, uh, speaking of Suicide Squad, also James Gunn spotlights artists who were left out of the credits. Um, so writer-director James Gunn shined a spotlight on many of the film's creators who were unfortunately left uncredited. Quote-unquote, sadly, some great folks who worked incredibly hard on The Suicide Squad were accidentally left off the credits, Gunn said on Twitter. Uh, he goes on to list each one of the concept artists by name. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but, um, um, but yeah, they're, they are in this article, and actually, if you're watching the video, you can see those said names. Uh, Gunn also credits uh, a model maker who uh, who responded. I guess Brett Phillips who uh, responded to Gunn's tweet saying, "Y'all are forgiven. Just happened to have the, had had the opportunity." So, and you can see the tweet here where um, where um, where James Gunn said that. Apparently, also the Suicide Squad credits uh, David Ayer, the director of the first film. Interestingly enough. Um, see in a separate section people like Thinker co-creator Patrick Zerker and Ratcatcher co-creator John Wagner were also listed in the credits for various other comic creators who had an impact on the film but that's that's normal so next next up just uh, spoilers for uh, the, the Suicide Squad movie and the upcoming HBO Max series titled uh, Peacemaker uh, basically, the story is that James Gunn uh, has confirmed that the Peacemaker property is tying into other DC properties, not just the Suicide Squad. Right. Like we knew this was coming up, so this wasn't a big surprise. Like even before this, before the movie came out, so that's not a big surprise. But the fact that I guess it's connected to other stuff is um, some sad news, but not wholly unexpected news. Warner Brothers and AMC strike a 45-day exclusive theatrical window deal uh, for 2022. Now, as folks may know, uh, a lot of uh, Warner Brothers movies have been coming out day and date on HBO Max this whole year, uh, and I believe there's still probably a couple of to go, but apparently they're going away from that next year. Um, because big theater, I guess, is a thing. I don't know. <laughs> this... I had I had I had thoughts about this. I'm like, you know what, movies can go away. The theaters can move away, but also that's taken. I I do still enjoy the movie theater um, uh, experience, um, if not the prices. I don't differentiate like the prices, but regardless, the the theaters experience and I don't like putting people out of jobs. So I'm not saying it should go away for that reason, but this this hold on uh, the theatrical the the movie experiences is. is I don't know. I feel like it's kind of holding us back. Because I feel like you could still have it out in the movie. Like, I feel like HBO Max and what Warner's been doing this year is indicative of the fact that, hey, you can do both and they still make money. Both can still make money. Because there are people... Like, granted, yes, we are still in 
a variant of, of, of COVID and that things are going to end. But there are appeals to, still stupid as people that are, that are trying to go out into the movies. Uh, or I should say people that still want to go out to the movies for whatever, for reasons that not that not all of them are stupid. <laughs> but there are some stupid who, people who are. I put it that way. They're not vaccinated. Exactly. So Those are the ones stupid. everybody cat is talking about because yeah, I like exactly. going to the movies. Yeah, I've and been I do to too. The, I've been to the movies since I was fully vaccinated. Right. So, um, but you were being, but also you're vaccinated and still being cautious. So. So, but in any event, uh, next up, the complete remastered Superman, the animated series has now arrived on Blu-ray or is about to arrive on Blu-ray. That is this fall, the six disc Blu-ray box set will be available on October 12th, 2021 for (laughs) (laughs) $69.99. So it's worth noting, as you may or may not already know, uh, there are HD versions of uh, Superman the Animated Series already on HBO Max that you can watch right now. And I know some people are like, well, why would you do that if the, you know, why would you do that if it's already there? You know, at some point, those those are probably going to leave that service. It's what happens with these streaming services. There's a select few things that stay permanently. Mm-hmm. So you can't really just count on. That's why people, when people would ask me, I was like, why are you still buying physical for stuff? This is why because stuff leaves streaming services and i kind of like having you know uh, uh the version that i can kind of refer back to now granted i'm with this i already had the dvds and those are actually fairly decent quality to dvds but i thought about it for for a brief second <laughs> to get into the blu-rays like i can't imagine how much more of an upscale that these would be uh as opposed to what i got but yeah i mean I, well i guess it's probably um aspect ratio is different so yeah uh, let's see, completely remastered with enhanced audio and color correction. The series will be. Oh no! So it's still in the same four by three aspect ratio. So there's really not that much different. Next up, uh, Idris Elba cast in Sonic the Hedgehog two as Knuckles. So confirming the fact that uh, Knuckles is black, and uh, we we claim him. And uh, shout out to it, Big Driz from the from the east. Or from the West, I can't remember how you, what his what his DJ name was, but yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two, and people will be having fun with that. And then the one season game is like seventy bucks, no thanks. Yeah, I mean that's the price, but hey, look, hey, what small price to pay to have you know to have a good quality version of? Uh, now, granted, you could probably still find the DVDs out there for the Superman animated series for way less than or half of that price. So, yeah, it's up to you. <laughs> But if you don't have a copy, there you go. Uh, next up, though. Whoa, we went back to the Superman DVD thing for a second? Yes. Uh, that was funny. Keisha Sharp is set to direct episodes of Our Kind of People, Charmed, and Superman and Lois. Uh, this actress is uh, expanding her directing resume to direct these shows. Yeah, so Keisha Sharp is kind of one of those um, Walmart 1899. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, Keisha Sharp is kind of one of those actors like, oh yeah, you see her in, in some stuff here and there. So the, I did not know she had taken a turn into um, directing uh, in the first place. Uh, apparently she started directing on that Lethal Weapon show with uh, Damon Wayans, which I think she yeah, which she was a part of, now that I think about it. So that I guess makes sense. Um, but yeah, she's she's shown up on the covers. So good on her. Yeah. Uh, for that next up though um hulu is open to the possibility of future marvel shows 
Uh, Jordan Hellman, head of crypto content at Hulu, said it's completely possible that Marvel, uh, more Marvel series will debut on the streaming platform in addition to the originals already planned at Hulu's sister platform, Disney+. Plus. Uh, Marvel continues to be an incredibly important partner and one of the biggest generators of content within the Disney ecosystem. So we're excited about the, policy, uh, the possibility of what may lie in the future with regards to the Hulu-Marvel relationship. Uh, Hellman told Deadline. While Hellman, Hellman admitted uh, he has yet to engage in conversations with uh, Kevin Feige about future projects, he added, Given Marvel's place in the Disney ecosystem, ecosystem it seems an incredibly robust avenue for future projects. <laughs> I'm just going to put in for Disney+. Plus, But, you know, sure. They, they could totally do that. Um... Oh, Helm's comments came as Hulu's only current Marvel project, uh, MODOK, awaits news about whether or not it's going to be picked up for a second season. So, there you go. Which I still have yet to see, but I have an avenue into watching that now. So, yay. Next up. Next up, uh, some new Spider-Man No Way Home promotional art teases the public turning against Spider-Man and joining hashtag Team Mysterio. Uh, a fan account for the upcoming third Spider-Man film set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe carries a worrying message for Spider-Man. It says, quote, we believe Mysterio. The message appears emblazoned on two new pieces of art done in a simple illustrated style, the second of which is made to look like graffiti. Um, it, they likely mirror art that will appear in the new movie, picking up on a thread that was teased earlier this year that proved the citizens of New York won't all be on Spidey's side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what if writers are given one rule when using Spider-Man, speaking of? Um, see, from the outset, the instruction was to write the best possible story and let the legal side work out what could and could not be used in the final project. As it turned out, the lawyers were able to sort out some potential issues and we're left with... is with ah, What we're left is with is the arrival of zombie hunter Spider-Man in the MCU, thanks to that one rule of tell the best story you can. Uh, in a recent interview with um, Uproxx and, uh, and What If creator A.C. Bradley. So, I think there's a quote here. I think that the work that works with people above our gray pay grade, though I think I did ask that early on. I was like, can we just touch Spider-Man? And they went, don't worry about it. We're going to figure it out. Just tell the best story you can, and we'll cross that bridge. Uh, that was kind of the mandate across the board with Marvel. As long as you're not doing something that we're not doing in the movies, go have fun, and we'll figure it out. So, there you go. Next. A deleted scene from Marvel Studios' Black Widow movie has made its way online, offering an alternate ending to the MCU movie. The leak comes from the the leak comes from the digital release of Black Widow, which is now available for download. And it uh, it shows Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow character uh, visiting a certain locale. I'm not going to spoil the entire thing. It's worth watching. But uh, it does involve um, an alternate ending for the movie. It's probably going to be part of the – well, it's definitely going to be part of the uh, physical media release. Yes. Uh, hashtag give her the, give that woman her money. Uh, Samuel Jackson teases the return to Nick Fury as Secret Invasion begins filming. 
Uh, Samuel L. Jackson has been with the MC for a very long time, as we all know, following his surprise debut back up in the post credit scenes of Iron Man. Uh, the movie that started it all, technically, actually, uh, I believe it was Incredible Hulk. That 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 he that he started off in. But you know, we're not we're not gonna split hairs here. Kind of are, but whatever. Disney Plus premiered the new animated MCU show What If, which features Jackson voicing his character's uh, cartoon counterpart. Meanwhile, Jackson is taken to social media to announce that the upcoming live-action uh, show Secret Invasion has begun filming. Jackson posted uh, on a photo on Instagram featuring Fury's fake beard and mustache. Back in the box, just in the nick of time, he wrote. Badoom, boom. Um, also worth noting, uh, by the way, um, I believe they added a couple more Marvel Legends uh, little, little shorts to Disney+. Plus. So if you haven't, checked those out while you're watching uh what if you should they're interesting uh if you don't already know about the characters they're doing anyway next up because i think one was uh peg carter the other one was was strangely enough the ravagers which i guess which is going to be a part of what if so that makes sense and they also did one about the avengers initiative which nick fury there you go anyway next up Next up, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Lucasfilm is currently looking for an act- for an actress to star opposite Rosario Dawson um, as the Mandalorian warrior Sabine Wren in the upcoming live-action Star Wars series Ahsoka. Dawson is, of course, reprising her role of Ahsoka, who made her live-action debut in The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, it does, of course, make sense that Sabine would have a big role mm-hmm. in this uh, show because of how Star Wars Rebels ended. So. And uh, the voice actress is still uh, around and kicking. Her name is uh, Tia Sirkar. Yep. And she's awesome. So that's good to know. Yeah. So, yeah, whether she's going to reprise the role in live action or not, I guess that's I guess that's not. So I guess they're doing the same thing that they did with. Potentially doing the same thing they did with um, um, with uh, Ahsoka. With Ahsoka, yes, uh, actor whose name is I'm blanking on at the moment. So I apologize to oh, Ashley Eckstein. There we go. Um, hmm. Next up, though, Toonami co-creator to expand Warner Brothers Cartoon Network's um, anime production. Uh, so Jason DeMarco has been named uh, Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network's new Senior Vice President of Anime and Action Series Long Form Programming. Uh, DeMarco has been with the company for over 20 years and is one of the co-creators of Cartoon Network's uh, Toonami Block. Toonami, Toonami aired the English dubs of such shows as, y'all know, y'all know what Toonami is. I don't even know why I'm... <laughs> a lot of y'all grew up on it. So y'all know what Toonami is. But uh, DeMarco will spearhead Warner Bros. efforts to expand the company's anime production and partnerships with anime studios. The new executive will also oversee Warner Bros. animation action-based long-form programming. So, good. Good for him. Yeah, Toonami is actually still kind of sort of around. Um, um, uh, uh, season gamer. So yeah, yeah, they are. They are definitely around. Actually, they kind of like left and then came back. So yeah, they're they're still around. But anyway, next up. Oh my God! This is clickbait. Crunchyroll adds five Food Wars OVAs, three Haikyuu OADs, and a bunch of other stuff. It's not. Go have fun with it. It is. This is clickbait. The next story is definitely news. <laughs> and that is Sony completes Crunchyroll acquisition worth $1.175 billion. Uh, so, yeah. 
we we've talked about this before that Sony was uh, trying to uh, acquire Crunchyroll. They already acquired. Uh, they they already own. Excuse me, Funimation, uh, the streaming service. And well, Funimation. Well, I guess Funimation in general, but also the streaming service. Anyway, so now they have uh, completed their uh, acquisition of Crunchyroll. the The best possible outcome for me is that they keep the Crunchyroll name and drop Funimation. I, I doubt if they're going to do that. But um, yeah, there. That's pretty much the gist of that. I know Age of Seventy put another article in the clickbait section uh, that may have a little bit more. Um, um, a little bit more info than this, but that's pretty much the gist of it for right now until we find out how they're going to... Uh, right, until they confirm together. merger, you know, the, the essentially the uh, merger and acquisition part of it. So mm-hmm. Next up. Uh, next up, uh, Digital Rights Media announced on Wednesday the new titles that will stream on its Retro Crush streaming service in August. Take a look in our show notes. There's a long list of them. Yeah, that's a little bit of a list, but yeah. Uh, uh, Retro Crest is a pretty good if you're looking for some older anime uh, that's subbed and dubbed it definitely it's a good place to go uh, and it's free quote unquote well there's a face off regardless Gunbuster gets first English dub more classic anime gets released uh, so Discotech from Discotech's Otaku Khan turned to one uh, Gunbuster which is the first anime from Neon Genesis Evangelion's director uh Hideki Ano is getting his first ever English dub. Uh, the Gunbuster dub is being recorded by uh, some some folks, and that's the biggest news to come out of the many news from the Discotech Media Panel at Otakocon uh, 2021. Outside of that last, uh, the one that we just mentioned. So, it's going to release in 2022, and there's some other Discotech uh, um, properties that are also going to be coming out. And some we've already mentioned in passing uh, uh, in the past few weeks. Next up. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean is set to release on Netflix this year, actually before it premieres in Japan. Mm. Uh, So that is some news. This is is, uh, coming after some... um, It's apparently the much-anticipated next iteration of the anime. Okay. JoJo's... I had to do that. I need to catch up with JoJo's. Wait, have you started JoJo's or no? Nope, not yet. I got you. Not yet. My uh, my anime binging has uh, taken a little bit of a break, but at some point I'll get back to it. Gotcha. Uh, from a report, uh, Netflix's live-action avatar casts Aang, Katara, Soka, and Zuko. So Netflix has reportedly found the main cast for its live-action reboot of the beloved anime series Avatar The Last Airbender with uh, images surfacing of the actors to play the aforementioned characters. Uh, the possible character castings were shared on Avatar News, an unofficial site collecting information and speculating about developments in, in the TV series. Uh, the four actors named for the roles are Gordian Cormier as Aang, uh, Kiamintio Tarbell as Katara, I apologize if I butchered your name, Ian Ousley as Soka, and Dallas Liu as Zuko. So again, this is a report. We don't know if that's actually the case or not. Uh, next up. Next up. 
Gun Honey, the new four-part comic series launching in September 2021 by Charles Ardai, mm-hmm. um, is being developed for television by Pillar Segan, producers of Private Eyes, Haven, Greek Wildfire, and The Dead Zone, and Malaysia-based Television, the production arm of the Vision New Media Group. Okay. Yeah. So this is a brand new book that's already got um, <laughs> it's already being developed for television. It's a book that hasn't even hit stands, so. which is or yeah, well, yeah, it's being published worldwide. So yeah, it's going to be digital and hard hard copy, presumably. Yeah, which kind of not as a big surprise. There's been more of this kind of stuff happening. So, uh, and some interesting news: uh, John Wick Chapter Four adds Clancy Brown, aka Lex Luthor, for to, to, to those who uh, remember him from Justice League. Um, so apparently, we just learned that Lionsgate has closed the deal. He's also done live action, so y- y'all anyway. Um, Lionsgate has closed the deal for Clancy Brown to star opposite Keanu Reeves, Danielle, and, and everybody else that's involved in um, uh, John Wick Chapter 4. Director Chad Stalinsky uh, beamed, I haven't been a fan of Clancy Brown since I can remember. To have him part of this project is an honor. He will make the perfect addition to the world of John Wick. So, cool. Next. Next and last in cinematic news. So, uh, this is mildly surprising. Mm-hmm. The road to the CW's live action Powerpuff Girls series has been a rocky one. And, uh, you know, ever since it was announced back in May that the pilot was being reworked, the, uh, the, the three characters who had been cast were all expected to return. Uh, but it looks like things are changing up against Chloe Bennett, who we know as Daisy Johnson slash Quake from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., has officially exited the Powerpuff Project. According to Variety, it was scheduling conflicts that forced her to leave the show. It appears um, Dove Cameron and Yana uh, Perot are still attached to the series, which is expected to, to uh, expected to begin reshooting later this year. Variety reports that they plan to find a replacement for Bennett in the fall. Okay. Mm. And now we go over to the comic book news. Uh, Chasing Gold, Olympian Noah Lyles headlines new digital comic. So Chasing Gold tells the story of Olympic track star Noah Lyles in a biographical comic book published by the uh, Washington Post. Uh, The Post released a digital version of the 20-page comic on its website on July 30th. A print version was also inserted in the Post Home Delivery and Newsstand editions on July 23rd as a part of a special selection section excuse me, on the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, uh, which were postponed one year because of the uh, pandemic. So, let's see. Uh, Laos holds multiple titles, including winning the men's 200-meter and men's 4x100-meter uh, 4 relays at the World Championships. Uh, and he's scheduled to... Be, well, he probably hit... The Olympics are over. He's already competed by now. So, let's see. Um, is there a date for this, or is this is kind of already got? Uh, Chasing Gold, written by Rick Mays and Adam Kilgore, illustrated by Andy uh, Belanger, or Belanger, with additional inks by Kerry Nord, colors by Tato uh, Caballero, is available digitally on the Washington Post website. So, I guess it's out there now. Next. After jumping into comics earlier this year, Substack is entering in a bigger way by signing several major creators to its platform. As reported, 
in this week's Tuesday uh, in the Tuesday edition of this week's New York Times. Um, the new slate of writers includes Saladin Ahmed, Jonathan Hickman, Molly Ostertag, Scott Snyder, and James Tinian IV, with other writers and artists to be announced at a later date. In an update to this story, Scotty Young and Chip Zdarsky have also announced that they are joining Substack as uh, related in the next story. Yep. Uh, yeah, Scotty Young uh, joins Substack lineup with uh, I Hate Fairyland relaunch. And I don't know if it says, did it say what Zdarsky's doing? Probably doesn't. Uh. Um, yeah, but regardless, yeah, so there you go. So, Substack, I guess, is kind of like Patreon. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, yes and no, because ultimately Substack is a means of publishing Mm -hmm. electronically, but at a, but but in a subscription format so that, and so that you can charge for access. Gotcha. So yeah, so kind of Patreon, kind of uh, um, whatever Amazon's um, self-publishing thing is, I guess. So cool. Next up, uh, there's a, from this report, Disney is only paying comic creators five thousand dollars for work. Uh, it's adapted for billions. So I know this came up on Twitter uh, within the last week or two um, about this because I know there's there's definitely been some comments about how much. Um, um, creators have been getting paid for for those for stuff like this but uh it says here behind each and every one of marvel's and studios and dc and famous comic book adaptations are teams of comic book creators whose ideas laid the groundwork for what would eventually become films and tv shows powering the mega uh, corporations respective multi-billion dollar entertainment franchises unfortunately that doesn't mean these creators are getting paid anywhere near what they deserve uh, according to this article, it is so large journalists said that most creators at the big two and in the mainstream comics are generally quote unquote work for hire contractors who have no ownership of, of the uh, IP they create for the publishers. Recently, though, more and more comic creators have been speaking publicly about their experiences of watching their ideas get capitalized on by some of the largest corporate juggernauts, only for the creators themselves to receive little to no financial profit generated by the properties uh, derived from their work, uh, or in some cases, not even getting credit. Uh, for for in those things, uh, so yeah, there's been multiple stories about comic creators getting the cold shoulder from both companies and the film studios they've been connected to. New report from the Guardian lays out details on how the situations at Disney, Marvel, and DC Warner Brothers, AT and T have been particularly galling. Uh, according to the Guardian sources, Marvel's standard approach to compensating writers or artists when their when their works appear in a studio's uh, Marvel Studios film is a flat five thousand dollar check, along with an invitation to the film premiere. Uh, Ed Brubaker, writer Ed Brubaker, along with artist Steve Epting, colorist Frank Darmada, and letterer uh, Randy Gentile, crafted the America Captain America comic run that we know has been used in the films. Uh, previously spoke fairly openly about how he basically made nothing from the characters jump to the MCU in multiple films and his own streaming service. Um, Brubaker also spoken about how he hasn't actually, how he wasn't actually invited to the premiere events for Captain America, the Winter Soldier, but the deeper issue was Marvel's approach to compensating creators, uh, whose work is adapted lies in how the studio largely, uh, allegedly, allegedly does not make a point of letting all of its talent know, about the larger process and it kind of goes on from there um but yeah that's that's kind of been a thing that's been coming up on the uh internet lately and uh, yeah that's that it sounds pretty bad if that's the, if that is the case 
Next up. In the same article, uh, acclaimed author Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, offered his thoughts on how comic creators are financially acknowledged uh, by these major film studios after their works are adapted into blockbuster franchises. And he essentially goes on to say that uh, studios should do better by comic creators just because, uh, quote, just because it's in a contract doesn't make it right, he said. If he has some kind of leverage over you, uh, he can get you to sign a contract to F you over. It's just legalist. And I agree with that. That's, mm-hmm. that's just life. Yeah, totally. Um, two euros will remain civil ha, 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 in Captain America Iron Man number one. Uh, the dynamic duo of the Marvel Universe, Captain America and Iron Man, will be starring in their own team-up comic book this November. Uh, brought to you by the claimed creative team Derek Landy uh, and artist uh, Angel Unzetta. Uh, Captain America Iron Man will be the first of its kind series, taking the two of uh, Marvel's A-listers on an epic journey, an epic adventure that will explore the pair's fascinating dynamic and history as they go up against uh, a mysterious new threat from Hydra. So this is basically the Batman Superman of uh, Marvel. <laughs> so uh, they said November. So there you go. Um, next up. It's like November 24th. Uh, next up, though. We right. This story this, so. essentially, yeah, this story is essentially something that I confirmed uh, reading this week's Runaways number thirty-eight. That uh, the current run of Runaways is grinding to a halt with uh, apparently surprise cancellation by Marvel. Ultimately, as I said earlier, they are leaving these characters with some dangling plot threads, so it's unlikely they're going to be gone for long. Miss hmm. uh, Marvel Beyond the Limit delayed for three months. So Marvel has postponed its planned comic limited series, Miss uh, Marvel Beyond the Limit, which was timed to thematically tie in with the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel Miss Marvel streaming show. Uh, the five-issue series by Samira Ahmed and Andres uh, Genelet has was announced back in June for a September 15th debut, but the publisher has informed retailers that the series launch has been delayed three months uh, due to, uh, to a new December 1st debut. I uh, don't think it says why, but it kind of gives this article goes on, just kind of gives a little what's going to happen in uh, what's going on in the book. So, but yeah, I don't see anything about why, um, why the change. Next up, I'm going to skip this story because this book is out this week. Of yeah, Avengers we Tech- talked about it. I just put it in there just in case we hadn't. So, so. gotcha. So, um, the next story is uh, Disney game developers looking to re release Marvel vs. Capcom 2 following a YouTuber's campaign. So, um, Uh, fighting game YouTuber Maximilian Dude's campaign to re-release Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is acknowledged by the studio behind the Disney game re-releases. So, um... Uh... Ba, 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 ba. So this, uh... The, this YouTuber started a campaign called Hashtag Free MVC2 to garner support to re-release the crossover game onto modern uh modern i guess console systems this ended up catching the attention of a studio head of digital eclipse who would be happy to support the project digital eclipse is a game studio focused on gaming preservation including the porting of older video games to modern systems Mm -hmm. uh some of the releases include the re-release of the disney afternoon collection a compilation of capcom published nes disney games so 
Um, it seems that Digital Eclipse's focus and previous partnerships seem to have been between Capcom and Disney, so it seems like Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is possible for most fans. And Mike Mika, the studio head of Digital Eclipse, agreed in the tweet that he hears the support and would be thrilled to remaster MVC2. Okay. Obviously, as part of that is out of his hands, because still the other two parties in that situation have got to come together for it. So right. I would love to see it too because NBC two is great. Um, but we'll see. And yeah, people know Maximilian dude. If you've been on Twitch for and, and you like fighting games, I'm sure you would have come across that that dude. I mean, uh, I still have my copy. I think I still have uh, a copy myself, actually. So, but still, I mean, you know, just for updated for folks who who don't still have yeah. their copy or whatever gets movie and for 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 fighting game, uh, you know, for right. like showing up at Evo. Two. Right, MVC two was that out on PS two. I want to say yes. If uh, probably PS2, yeah. PS3, um, probably both yeah. platforms. Yeah, no, but in terms of its original disc, I believe I think it was so. Yes, too. Yeah, I and believe I, you're I, right. I, I think I still have my original disc for and and uh, to go with my PS2. So, but I also think I bought the digital copy for PS3. Uh, PlayStation 2, Dreamcast, Arcade, PlayStation 3, Xbox, 360. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been around. Uh, Beast Kingdom reveals uh, collectible Harry Potter wand pins. Um, so yeah, there's some for Harry Potter folks, which I know we have some in the, in, in the audience and maybe even on this, on, on this uh, panel. Um, yeah, they're fourteen ninety nine each, and you can order them now. They're like twelve inches tall. They're six wands. Uh, in the in the the ones you would expect from from characters from from Harry Potter and you can see them right there if you are so interested in the if you're watching the video ver- version of this here podcast. Next. <clears throat> Jason Bischoff, the former director of global consumer products at Sabin Brands or Saban Brands, I think it's yeah, actually Saban. pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, has revealed a pitch and concept art for a Power Rangers game that never was called Project Nomad, a AAA open world co-op game that was more or less a Batman Arkham Ranger style game. Okay. He shared the pitch on Twitter for a game that would capture uh, the Power Rangers in that type of environment. Interesting. Uh, Speaking of Power Rangers, uh, Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover to kick off Power Month. So apparently... Uh, it's both in time from Dino Fury to back into the original. Dun, 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 dun. So these are figures uh, based uh, with a uh, in a crossover from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you're watching the video, you can see me floating through a couple of um, uh, of images from it, which shows um, turtles dressed up. Well, yeah, basically turtles dressed up in Power Rangers gear with their shells in the, in the back. So there's a Black Ranger and a Blue Ranger one with the uh, with the uh, the original weaponry. Um, and yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, see, they're going to be available for pre-order at GameStop and to ship uh, 2022 uh, retail price 52.99. Oh wait, it says available. Oh yeah, available. So it's already available right now to pre-order, but it's coming out next year. Next. Next up, Superman 78 artist Wilfredo Torres says that when he was looking for inspiration for the comic's take on the classic Superman villain Brainiac, he turned to an era-appropriate movie star, the late, great Yul Brenna. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, yeah, that that that's his, that was his inspiration. I feel like, and even like back in the Justice League version of Brainiac, or uh, I feel like that was probably the case. But you know, who's uh, who's to say? Um, but so let it be written. So let it be done. Exactly. Robin comes out as bisexual in Batman comic after uh, 81 years, according to, to Hollywood Reporter. Oh, God, that's a bit hyperbolic. I know. I did, that's why I didn't want to go with this particular article, but the other one was like the New York Post. So, Jesus. But um, I'm seeing it like that's kind of ridiculous. But regardless, uh, I believe that's from what last week's or this week's uh, Batman Urban this- Legends. It's this week. Yeah, so this week's... Uh, so basically, Tim Drake, uh, the third Robin, comes out, uh, realizes... According to this article, realizes he's by in the newly released uh, Batman Urban Legends. And yes, this has been... Has picked up some steam on uh, the Twitters, of course. Uh, it says here, uh, in the comic, Tim Robin has a light bulb moment when fighting alongside his friend Bernard Dowd. Um, and it goes on from there. And I think he kind of gets the nerve up to go to ask Bernard on a date or something like that. I can't remember, but regardless, I don't know. I'll read this later. Cause I don't want to go. Um, cause I would, I was, when I saw this, I was interested to see how they played it, but you know, like I said, I didn't want to spoil myself on it. So there you go. It's out there. And so is Tim. Ha ha. Um, oh no. <laughs> so we welcome Tim to the bisexual community. There you go. Next. Alrighty, the five collective Robins unite in a new title to hunt down Batman's first, apparently secret, sidekick. This is a new story. Um, I gotta open the article to see when that's supposed to be coming out. Wait, did I not put it? I thought I put it in there. November 16th. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, it's due out November 16th. Stay tuned for the full November 2021. So, listen, it's coming soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin and Batman chronicles Dick's, Dick Grayson's quote unquote year one origin, which I could have sworn they've done that. Um, Dick Grayson had begun his crime fighting career as, as, a, as the first Robin. We all know this, but uh, apparently, thanks to the last one, he might not have been the first one. Um, then he retired to Nightwing. DC is now taking a look back at Dick's year one story as Robin in a new miniseries, which again, I could have sworn they did a Robin year one with, with Dick Grayson. Uh, already, but okay. Anyway, CBR has the exclusive uh, details and the first look at Robin and Batman, a three-issue miniseries from Eisner-winning creative team of Jeff Lemire and Dustin Gwynn. Uh, this will be the first series for the duo after completing their run on Descender and Ascender. Uh, there's a there's a preview abound somewhere, and it's going to be five ninety nine. Go on sale on November 9th. So next. Next up, so uh, this is these are spoilers for Batman number 111 from last week. Uh, apparently, in the story, and it's 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 play tongue in cheek, but it's it's a character development that has been pretty upfront. Uh, that Harley Quinn has developed into uh, a member of the Bat Family as opposed to being a, uh, a villain in opposition to the Bat Family. So she has appeared uh, in conjunction with several members of the Bat Family over the last several years as the Harley Quinn character has gained prominence in uh, the DC Extended Universe. And in this issue, she makes a, she charges into battle 
with uh, the Bat family and makes a baseball bat pun related joke that basically is a symbol of her acceptance or her allegiance with the Bat family. So that's the kick. That's the uh, the point of this. <laughs> right. So check out Batman One Eleven if you're if you're interested in seeing that new sleeper comic may face legal action from Warner Brothers says uh, Ed Brubaker. Uh, so a new comic to be published by Simon and Schuster may be the subject of for legal filings as Ed Brubaker uh, writer Ed Brubaker has said in a statement in that the newly released graphic novel Sleeper by British television screenwriter Jed Mercurio might be infringing upon his trademark. Uh, while Shakespeare once wrote that a rose by any other name, okay, really? Uh, Mercurio, showrunner of the popular British crime dramas Bodies and Lines of Duty, uh, may be about to find out the hard way that intellectual property in the entertainment business are not all flowers at the hands of uh, Warner Brothers' legal department. So apparently this was published August 5th, um, and... Uh, See, it was proposed as the first series of graphic novels. This series also happens to have the same name as Brewbreaker's mid-2000s pair of limited series, Sleeper, uh, which featured art by Sean Phillips, published by Wildstorm. Uh, Brewbreaker series ran 24 issues uh, total between 2003-2005 and told the story of a rogue agent named Holden Carver and struggled to choose between crime and justice in the midst of an undercover uh, assignment in a uh, superpowered crime syndicate. So, yeah, apparently, um, coming quick on the heels of this release, of the release of Mercurial's book, Brubaker issued a heartfelt and scathing condemnation of the alleged infringement of his, on his blog, um, while claiming that he was previously a fan of Mercurio, uh, Brubaker said that this act shows, quote-unquote, a complete lack of knowledge of comics, or arguably a, a comic, a, a comic if he did infringe purposely uh anyway um Brubaker passionately denounced the release in a clear condemnation of its works intellectual property saying for my part i'm just pissed about it so i guess we'll find out uh, what comes from that sometime later last but not least last but not least uh this uh this story actually comes from a former editorial intern who was on a panel celebrating uh, a Zoom, a Zoom reunion uh, that was uh, done recently to celebrate. It was done on yeah August seventh. It was mm-hmm. done to celebrate the 30th anniversary reunion of uh, several Wizard staff members. The 30th anniversary of the Wizard comic book magazine, and uh, it's going to be released on August 18th and presented in video format through the Wizards of the Podcast Guide to Comics YouTube channel, as well as in, in an edited audio format via the website. The audio version will also be available for download on Apple Podcasts and the Wizards of the Podcast Guide to Comics podcast feed on all other major podcast platforms. Okay. Um, oh, one one last thing, actually. Um, not about this, but just some, something something uh, on side of it before we end. Uh, before we end. By the way, I don't know. I don't think I ever read Wizard. Um, was it Megan? Ever? I don't. Th- I feel like I got a copy from the from the uh, from the comic book store, but I don't remember ever reading it. 
Oh, I bought it for a while. I definitely bought it, you know, here and there for several years. I didn't get it every month. Right. Because, you know, sometimes it just wasn't worth it. But every once in a while, there'd be a cool story or some cool art in there. I definitely picked it up when um, they had a feature on uh, the JLA Avengers stuff that was coming up. You know, the, the Perez Busiek JLA Avengers. And I also have... Apparently, it's worth a little bit of money, not a ton, but a little bit of money. The uh, the preview of um, Red, White, uh, Red, White, and Black, The Truth. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Isaiah Bradley story mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, the Joe Quesada cover. So gotcha. that's I, I actually have that still. So Nice. Very nice. But uh, I was going to say before we get into the ad read that uh, this coming Saturday is free comic book day, folks. So, um, grab your masks, uh, head out to your local comic book store again, mask up, all that kind of good mess. You know, do take advantage of the, the free comic book offerings, but also buy something while you're in there because, um, the comic book free comic book day is not free for local comic book shops. That's the one thing you have to take care of. So please go in there. Yeah. Get the free books, but go in there and, um, you know, go in there and, and actually buy something from them uh, if you plan on going in there. That being said, um, there is a link in the in the clickbait section uh, for four books that came out this week from DC. There might be more at this point because I know that I can't know if it's all of them that uh, that uh, point to a comicsology link to where they have digital co- uh, copies of the comic book free comic book day offerings from DC. So you can definitely go check that out uh, if you are so inclined also. And there's definitely going to be more free comic book stuff stuff, stuff coming to uh, Comixology as the weeks progress for, for certain. Uh, but yeah, like I said, if you plan on going out to the free comic book day this, this Saturday, uh, let's say mask up, buy something, uh, support your local comic book shop. That being said, uh, unless Agent 70 has something else to say about it, we can go into an ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Amazon. Helping us keep, that's correct, because <laughs> it is late and it's been a long day. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase the items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc., etc. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment. That helps us keep the Combo Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Boy, we should start late more often. Um, that's that's totally a joke. Um, because they just was like, no. <laughs> but with that, folks, uh, this has come to an end of another uh, fine episode of this Combo Chronicles. Again, we will have uh, another, not necessarily a recap, but uh, impressions on the next episode of What If next week, uh, along with other fine comic book offerings. Uh, with that, uh, I have been your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter, and you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Your other host, Agent underscore 70. You can find him at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore dirt. Uh, you can find on Twitter. You can also find him at uh, PopCultureNet and PopCultureNetwork.com and all the umbrella sites therein. And maybe Byte, where he's doing comic reviews under comic reviews, no vowels. If that's still a thing. 
Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, the Osiris of this ish. You can find him also on Twitter at CBCron, which is the, the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word. Uh, TheClickNation.com. But of course, you can find him writing his face off over at CBR.com, comic book resources. Uh, this here podcast you can find as at the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. And of course, uh, recording live every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And also twitch.tv slash Chronicles. Thank you for the one person who followed earlier uh, in the show. Thank you. Uh, and with that, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever!